Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you for tuning in. Today I'm talking with Carlo LaMagna, chef owner of Magna Casina, the brand new open, August 15th, Portland, Oregon. Go check him out. We're talking today a little about his history, born and raised in the Philippines, moved to the States, to Detroit. Love hearing that. Detroit food scene blowing up right now, so I'm glad we get to give some props to Detroit. He's a prep cook at the age of 20. We always like talking about uh, those food staples, and we're very simpatico here. He's always got Spam and LaCroix in the fridge. Now, I always have Tangerine LaCroix. What flavor are you, Carlo? Oh, man, grapefruit. Grapefruit all the way. Okay, okay. He likes that pithy bitterness. I'm into that. And the Spam, I personally crush Musubi like it's my my job. Excuse me. (laughs) And I got to do the low sodium because the full strength gives me gut rot. You feel me on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. We got to go low sodium. We're getting older. <laughs> <laughs> True story, man. Got to watch that sodium intake. This next little tidbit about you I absolutely love because I talk a lot about chefs, restaurant industry people having positive outlets outside of the restaurant. And you are an avid martial artist, jujitsu, artist, which I had not heard of, a, a Filipino discipline. Tell us a little bit about what martial arts has meant to you personally, and even more so what it means to have that outlet, that positive outlet as a chef. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, doing, I've been doing martial arts much longer than I've been cooking. Um, it's one of those things where, where it's very similar to working in restaurants where, um, you kind of, the proof is in the pudding, you know, where you have to prove yourself. You have, you can't, you can, you can say that you went to go cook for Thomas Keller. I could also say that I went to go fight, you know, that I'm a black belt and so-and-so martial art. But at the end of the day, you know, proving ground is, is, is kind of under fire. If you're cooking on the line, you say you work for a guy named Thomas Keller, you better show that it rubbed off on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, if your station's dirty, if your knife techniques suck, if you don't know how to cook a piece of steak, or if you don't know how to do these things, and you say you work for Thomas Keller, well, guess what? I'm going to call you out on it. Same thing with uh, martial arts. Yeah, it's the same thing with martial arts. It's, it's the complete same thing where, where you, I could say I'm a black belt in something or whatever, but then if I get my ass kicked on the mats or, or, you know, or, or you know, sparring or whatever, you're, you're going to be like, well, I don't know if, if, if I'm going to take your word for it. But um, with that being said, I'm not, I'm not great at it. I'm not great at jujitsu, but uh, I've been doing it for a while. And it really is a great outlet um, for me to train, to be able to, to, to go and walk into a room, leave everything behind, you know, everybody's problems for that day. 
are literally left at the door. You go on the mat. You're with your peers. You're with your equals. You're with people that that are there for the very same reason, which is to train, to to spar, to learn, and just to hang out, pretty much. And and even in Arnis, like as as an instructor, um, you know, I'm one of the few few instructors in in a style that is not very well known outside of the Philippines. Um, a very specific style of Arnis uh, called Lescas. And it's just, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't flaunt it. I don't, I don't wear it on my sleeve. I'm not like, Oh, I'm this big badass. No, I'm just like, you know what, man, I just want to train. I just want to learn. I just want to, I want to get some exercise in. I want to have an outlet where, where I don't have to worry about ordering a fucking, you know, where am I going to get 10 pounds of steak today or mm-hmm. whatever you know what I'm saying? Like, I think everybody needs something that is not their career and it's not their, you can be passionate about cooking, but you're going to need another outlet because if you let that be your sole driving force, it's going to eat you up. And, and so that's so true. Yeah. And that, that's what I think that a lot of problems kind of arise in, in cooks and in, in the industry is that people don't know how to balance people. I mean, I used to be like that though, man. Like I used to go full, full bore. Um, but, but the funny thing is I have always had martial arts as, as kind of a, a, a side hustle or, or like more like a, a, a secondary outlet because I started it first. There are a lot of people out there who don't have that outlet. And I think people need to find that outlet in order to be your, the best version of yourself, to be the best cook, the best employee, the best human being that you can be, you know? And I hear you. I hear you. So the, so the martial arts grounded you and you had that early on in life. I think that's valuable that you had stability before you got into the industry. So you're able to handle those ups and downs. So talk to me back in those days, you know, the first person, it really sparked something in you that took you on the path leading you towards culinary, towards being a chef. Absolutely. Um, I was, I remember, I actually remember the time period too. It was, I was 13, 13, 14, around that area. Um, my sister, uh, I, we had, so, so you have to, to preface it a little bit. I, I was born in the Philippines, but I was raised in Detroit. Um, I lived in Detroit up until I was 11. And then we moved back to the Philippines. Um, and it was there that, you know, just kind of finding, reconnecting with my culture, reconnecting with heritage. I mean, that's what, that was the whole plan that my mom and dad wanted was to reconnect us with who we were. Um, and it was there that I was like, all right, whatever. I'll, you know, I was an American kid, basically an American kid that grew up here, lived in the Philippines. And my sister was like, you know what? I want to, I want to learn. I want to cook some stuff. I want to, you know, I love baking. I love cooking. So she started like following cookbooks, whether it was Filipino or foreign. And we had cable back then. And so we were watching like the old school food network, like where Ming Tsai was on or like walk with the end and shit like that. And my sister uh, was like, I want to do that. So she would experiment with these recipes. She would try these recipes out. And she and I would eat them <laughs> because I was their I was her younger brother. Um, so my sister Marcel, she she got fed up and just feeding me. It was like, well, you're gonna help me now. And she was actually the first person that taught me how to use a knife. You know, the typical 
tuck your fingers in, tuck your thumb in, you know, keep the blade against your, 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 your hand or your knuckles. And I don't know what it was, but like slicing onions, it just, it came easy and I enjoyed it. And it was one of those things where, where I started discovering things, right? So 14, all the way, you know, I went to college when I was 16. So I started, I started going to, uh, like different small mom and pop joints in the Philippines and helping them cook, um, dishes and things like that, preparing their, their, their little food service, whatever it was, um, just to get paid to fuel a billiard habit in order for me to play pool, which I never attended my college classes. <laughs> um, I, I, I used, uh, I used cooking as, as a means to an end. Um, but it was a little later when, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do in my life that, I, so I moved back to the States when I was 19 or when I was 20. And I was like, you know what, this culinary thing is going to be, I, I think I can make this, you know, I'm going to take a go at it and take a stab at it. Yeah. I like that. So big sis, right. Older sister. Yep. Kind of inspired you, but also put your, put your ass to work. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely, absolutely love that uh, because there's a little bit of the artist and then the craftsman, right? And that balances always the things that I think makes good chefs on top of which it's all about being a mentor. And the fact that you're doing that in martial arts, I think is really, really valuable. So big sis, martial arts, you're grounded. You have the bicultural, basically the Philippines, Detroit, yep. different cultures, both have a, a love for food which I think obviously guided you through that. So then you're getting into, you're back in Detroit. You are getting this first job as a prep cook. You're kind of moving through your career. Uh, then when did, when did it get really serious? When somebody was like, let's take this to the next level. We're not just uh, cooking food. We're creating something. Who was that for you? Um, I mean, his, the, the chef that really, really pointed me into that direction of, of, being a true career chef that really inspired me to do it was uh, Brian Beeland. Um, he, he at the time uh, was the chef de cuisine at the place I was working at, which was a country club of Detroit. He, he's actually now a certified master chef. He's a, in my opinion, a certified badass. Um, I mean, starting when I was a prep cook, you know, back in, back in the day, I worked different jobs. I mean, I was a sushi chef. I worked at a Thai restaurant and I was like, oh, I'm just cooking food. But Brian really took all of that experience that I had at that point, which was at that point, probably six, seven years. He really kind of focused it. He really took all of that and started funneling it through this like needle hole, you know? I was like, all right, man, let's build, rebuild your foundation um, and take you to that next level. And he did that with me. I, I think I, I think he uh, he looked at me as a nice little experiment. <laughs> he was like, "All right, man, I'm going to teach." You. So he he was a graduate of the CIA uh, out in Hyde Park, uh, Culinary Institute of America, and he put me through the same program. So he pushed me, like from from point A to point B. He took me back to making basic stocks and sauces, all the way up to to you know cooking different cuisines and trying different things like i used to help him out quite a bit on um 
so I used to help him out quite a bit on uh, on doing like board dinners, which consisted of him just like having carte blanche on whatever he wanted to make for the for this for this board uh, board of trustees for the club. And so we experimented a lot. Like the first time I ever encountered sous vide, um, uh, sous vide cooking. The first time I ever encountered like all these different uh, techniques and manipulations and, and ingredients. Um, fine dining. Like honestly. I, I would pit him up against the majority of, of the fine dining chefs out there and he would, he would blow them out of the water, but he was kept under wraps because he worked at a country club. So he made, he made, made do with what he had. And he, in, in, in exchange, like I, I had the privilege of experiencing that with him and helping him along. And that really sparked a lot. Uh, yeah. So, so I want to jump in and, and, and talk about this a little bit. Because we talk about the unsung culinary heroes, and a lot of times those may not be chefs. You know, there's a lot of people throughout our careers that are, quote unquote, the little people, the dishwashers, those line level, the grunts, right? The people in the trenches. But there's also yeah. something you said to the point that you just made, where there is a hierarchy in this industry, and we assign more value to people that chef the way that we think is the most glamorous or idealistic or the most creative expressive and you know what there's a lot of people that are making major impacts on chefs like you that do have that next level of creativity and expression that are getting you know in the limelight and the country club chefs and the corporate chefs they don't get that there's a lot of monikers they sold out they're in for the money all these different things but they have a major major impact so i appreciate you pointing that out because they are unsung culinary heroes who are fucking badasses, like you just mentioned, yeah. who can you can throw down with just about anybody. So I could really, yeah. really appreciate that. I mean, so, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So Brian Bieland, Detroit, pushing you. Uh, I know that you mentioned that you had this this group of friends, and I was really interested in some of the people that kind of were your inner circle and I know that you traveled to Europe talk to me a little bit about how that manifested itself and who was a part of that part of your journey uh yeah I mean you know I had a small group of friends at at the Culinary Institute of America that that really well to preface I mean I ended up going to the Culinary Institute of America after working with Brian um because I, I kind of wanted to reach that level that, that he was at and and you know, I found that that by going back to school, that was probably the best I, you know, the, the best way I would do it. Um, one second, there's a big truck coming. And uh, and you know, when I went out to school, I, I found this core group of friends that that I keep in touch with. You know, Joe, Travis, Francis, and Todd. Honestly, were the four guys that that I really, uh, with all of them, you know, all of them now reaching that level of of culinary uh, success in different avenues. Um, but so one of those guys, Todd, he ended up in, uh, he ended up in Europe, in Germany. Uh, and I remember, so, so the, how it led up to that 2009, I was, I moved to Chicago. I was working at a place. And uh, during that same year, my dad had passed away in 2009, October. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a bit of a rough go. 
And then after sticking around for another year in Chicago, I was just like, I need, I need something. I need, I need, I need to just go somewhere. So I, I was feeling just this, this weight, right? Cause, cause you know, after losing a parent, it was, it was not easy dealing with that. Yeah. It's brutal, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not fun, especially one who's, who's, who has made a huge impact on your life and, and influenced you and, 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 you know, and to this day, it constantly uh, pushes you whether he's around or not. Um, yeah. So I just, I needed a dip. I needed, I needed a change of scenery. I just needed to kind of clear my head. And, uh, and I just, out of the blue, I reached out to my buddy, uh, Todd. And I was just like, Hey man, you know, you think I can come out for a little bit? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So at the time I was living with my then girlfriend, now wife, Anjali. And I was just like, I just, I just need to do this. And she's like, go for it. And, uh, and I left, I went to, I went to Europe. I met him in, uh, in Munstertal in Germany. Um, and I cooked with him there. Uh, and then we bounced around like him and I traveled to Lyon. Uh, we traveled to San Sebastian together. We went to Barcelona together. Uh, and we went back to Germany after a while. And I mean, it was just one of those things where I was like, man, I, I got to see something. I just needed to need a change of, of scenery. And yeah. in, in the months that I took off, um, I also traveled back home to the Philippines to kind of reconnect and, 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 um, you know, my, my dad's ashes were brought to the Philippines a year previous and I couldn't go because I was working and my chef didn't, didn't let me go. So I was like, well, fuck, you know? And, and so I, I felt like I needed, I needed to close that part as close that part up as well. So I went, I went back home to the Philippines as well and stayed, stayed, stayed a little bit of time back there. When I came back, I was just like, you know what? I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to get back in the game. I have a, a, a newfound respect for, for different kitchens. And I saw the world a little bit and, you know, kind of regaining some perspective. Mm -hmm. And so Europe, I mean, that's a powerful pilgrimage to be able to at that moment in life that you're feeling down. I mean, you, your father passed away and you're like, how do I move forward and being able to get away is pretty impactful and i love the places that you traveled i'm jealous of san sebastian because i haven't been uh but i cooked uh, uh near leon in saint Etienne, france and i grew up in germany and then i got to go back and cook there a little bit and it's just the food culture is so different that the connection to food is so so different there vastly oh, different yeah it's powerful so that's powerful stuff and then you get to have that moment of closure which I think is really, really important for you. And you're just feeling transformed clearly from what I'm hearing at this moment. And you're backing like, I'm going to fucking get into it. Like it's time to take it to that level to really yeah. start to express yourself. And, uh, and that has catapulted you clearly because the passion and dedication has been on display for a lot of years, especially in Portland. And so now you're making Portland home. You've got the restaurants the dream is fulfilled you got a strong team i'm sure around you oh yeah and you still you still have the martial arts you need those outlets who is there now now that you're a restaurant owner which means you're fucking insane <laughs> it means <laughs> you go from dishwasher to wanting to be a prep cook to wanting to be a line cook to wanting to be a sous sous chef chef owner owner i just want to wash dishes man so yeah. 
you saw it go back to Turkey. Uh, right. Amen. So who is it now that's, that's keeping you grounded, that's keeping you focused, that's kicking your ass a little bit, that's giving you new mentorship as you're now mentoring so many others? You know, uh, the one constant uh, now in my life that, that, you know, as a chef that I, I can know, that I know that I can call, that I can turn back to and just be like, hey, man, what's up? Uh, Paul Verant, my old boss. Um, he's from Chicago. Yeah, he's from Chicago. So after I moved back from Europe, he was the first shop I came back to. And I loved it. You know, he, I saw how to be a chef, how to be a chef without being an asshole. You know, he. That's hard. That's really yeah, hard. No, it's the toughest thing, man. And he truly, genuinely was, was the one outside the cooking stuff, man. Like, you know, technical stuff. I learned a lot from him. I learned, I learned all these things. But like, outside of all that, I learned how to be a human being in the kitchen, you know, and it shows now uh, his, his mentorship and tutelage in that sense shows now in my team. My team's been with me. Well, I mean, one of the guys I cooked with at perennial, you know, his name is Roberto and he's, he's my, he's my, he's, he's one of my rocks, you know, um, my entire crew has been with me for at least five years since Clyde, since I started. Clyde. Wow. Talk, talk cooks, more about that because that's oh, exactly what we need to hear more of. The industry, there's rifts being formed. There's yep. a lot of us versus them. There's people yep. running for the hills from the industry. Our toxic culture is being exposed. The, a lot of that is very palpable right now. And I so, man, I so appreciate. And we all need to hear more of this. Tell me what that team means to you and I mean, how you're able to like navigate this space that's so fucking difficult. Yeah, I mean, in in the day and age where people are, are saying that I can't find good help. I just keep quiet because like, I don't have that problem. Like I don't have the problem of, of finding a line cook or finding a prep cook or, or finding a, a, a dishwasher or finding whatever. Cause like, honestly, my team. So, so to these guys lovingly call themselves the wild rice boys. <laughs> and and <laughs> I like it. They're, these guys are my core group of guys. Um, there are three of them, Roberto, uh, Kevin, and Dante. So those three guys are my, are my core group. Roberto I've worked with since Chicago. Um, he, you know, I, I, I told him he's got to move out here to help me out with Clyde when I was still over there. Um, Dante and Kevin I met over at Clyde. Um, they were my line coats at the time. And, you know, and it's funny because – now I, I thought, okay, maybe I got, I just got lucky, but now I'm finding as I'm building my team at Magna, I'm finding the right people in there. Like we got, we, we had an intern. His name is Lester. He, he, uh, he was an OCI student just moved from the Philippines. He helped me build the restaurant. We weren't even open yet. He still wanted to intern. I was like, all right, dude, let's do this. And he, and we just went to his graduation, you know, like th the reason why I'm telling you this is because they're family. You, you see these people, you see the people that you work with at the restaurant day in, day out, more than you see anybody else in your life. And it's that connection that binds you together as a family. A lot of bosses be like, oh, I don't go drinking with my friend or my cooks. I don't achieve a line of separation. Sure, there's a, a line of professionalism that has to be maintained. But 
here's the thing. These guys, I consider my brothers. I consider them. My, I consider them my oldest kids, you know, because I'm the oldest one out of them. I I have seen them through thick and thin on their personal level. I've seen them through all their relationship woes. I've seen them through through everything. And guess what? That line of professionalism still exists. The reason why is respect. Mm. They. I don't treat them like assholes. I don't treat them like they're fucking you know maggots. I don't throw plates at them. Sure, there are tense moments where, where I, I want shit done. But guess what? They still fucking do it. And there are times when they're able to put me in check too. Or like, chef, I don't think that's a good idea. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. You know? That that's is a valuable point right there. I want to touch on that. Yeah. Because having that trust factor goes both ways. And so, Carl, I got to say, what you're talking about right now, it's not a little thing. It's so natural to you. And unfortunately, so many of us bought in too much to that culture of throwing plates at your head, that badge of honor, that island of misfit toys. And right now, the word that I come back to a lot is purpose. We don't have enough purpose. And even though it was dysfunctional as hell, we had purpose before. And now we need to redefine what purpose means to us. And the fact that you have that trust with them is so, so valuable. So everybody listening... And I hope your crew and, and your boys from way back and the chefs who have influenced you are listening to this because you talking about them is really, really powerful stuff and important stuff because everybody needs to hear this. I want to highlight that this is not actually normal. You are outside of the norm in this industry, which is a big systemic issue with the industry. So I definitely want to say like fucking props to you. And you. when people are talking about needing people and they're posting transactional posts come work for me come work for me come work for me and people are like fuck you no uh, and they're wondering why don't i have people it's because they're not investing necessarily the way that you are you're investing them livable wage you're investing time in them and effort in them and give a shit you're investing in them and so that's really important so i say to you anytime people are saying those things don't be silent be loud, man. Be loud because we need to hear more of that. And it seems like a little thing. Oh, yeah, I'm paying my guys more. Oh, yeah, we do a company party. Those are obligatory things that, yes, are valuable. But it's day in and day out, that mentorship mentality. So, I, I, man, I cannot stress that enough. You need to, you need to be loud, my friend, because people <laughs> need to hear it. And I'm going to make sure that people know it. And that's why you and I are talking right now so this right. is this is brilliant beautiful stuff i love we got to talk about roberto and todd and brian and mary cell and paul these are all people that have gotten to you to where you are and to what happens next so i really appreciate that i want to leave everybody with a quote that you gave me keep on evolving what does that mean to you and how does that drive you and guide you every day um, I always tell this to people, you know, um, when I started cooking Filipino food again, people always ask me, what, what is Filipino food? Is it a fusion cuisine? And I tell people, fuck, I, I hate that fucking word. Fusion is probably one of the worst words that could possibly happen in, in the culinary field. Agreed. Forcing two things together. Exactly. Two things that don't belong together. You're forcing them to, to try to, to try to make it happen. And I always tell people that Filipino food is, is an evolutionary cuisine. It's evolution. We went through some shit. We, we, you know, Spain, 
300 years, you know, of, 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 of colonialism, you know, the U.S., Japan, and throughout this whole entire time, the Filipinos kind of just stood and, and accepted and weathered through all that. And in that same vein, we experienced so much and gained so much knowledge as well. We took what was useful to us and we discarded everything that was useless, right? And so that's an evolution. That is, you know, a, a change. Is a, it's, it's constant. It's, it's always, it's ever present. You cannot stay stagnant. So as a human being, you do the same thing. You go through shit. You know, you go through hard times in your life. You learn all these difficult lessons and you fucking, you just take it and you take what's useful to you. What is the lessons that's, that, that's learned? Bruce Lee did it when he created Jeet Kune Do. You know, Jeet Kune Do is a philosophy. It's not a martial art. You know, he evolved from what he was and did the same thing. He took in all this information and discarded what was useless. And then he, then what came out on top is him. People ask, you know, they, they ask me what kind of food do you cook? I cook, I cook the food that I cook in the here and now. It's like, I, I'm cooking food as an accumulation of all my experiences from the time that I, that I, that I had my first memory to now. You know, I don't limit myself. Sure, I'm cooking Filipino food, but I'm using techniques and I'm using flavor profiles and ingredients that I've picked up along the way, you know? And that's, that's the main proof. Always evolve. If The minute you stop evolving is the minute that you're done. Like, just, just done. Like, fuck all the cool kids, man. I don't give a shit if you're, if you're a fucking top chef. I don't give a fuck if you're, if you're X, Y, and Z. I don't give a fuck. All I know is that if you stop trying to do something that's bigger than yourself, if it's all about you, then you have a problem. You're not evolving. If it's all about you, then you're not going to find people. If you're not evolving, you're not going to be able to share new ideas with other people. If you're not evolving, you're going to sit in your one place, you know, on your throne that you created yourself. And it's lonely on top, man. I'd rather be surrounded by friends. Fuck the cool kids. I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. I have my friends. I have my family, you know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm meeting new people along the way because I'm still evolving. Be humble, you know, that's all it is. Carlo, you speak the truth, brother. I'm <laughs> fired up, man. I can, I can hear that intensity in your voice. That's uh, uh, authentic. Carlo LaMagna, you are a philosopher, <laughs> my friend. Oh, you brought a lot of value to, to us today. Truly appreciate you. All the success with the restaurant, and I have no doubt of that because of exactly who you are and the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, it's everything. So get out, to Port get out to Portland, people, and get to Magna because you're going to be tasting passion personified and go meet Roberto and that team up there. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers. So we listen to a great conversation with Carlo the Magna, chef owner of Magna Cucina in Portland, Oregon. And Carlo absolutely crushed it. I think he called out every single person he's ever met in his life, which is exactly like Carlo. Brian, I know you know. Absolutely. No, that's and his, so I, uh... I have Brian Beeland on the line, somebody that very specifically Carlo called out and said, got to talk to this guy. It meant a lot to my life and career. So thank you, Brian, for what you mean to Carlo and this industry and for talking right now. 
I appreciate the uh, the invite and uh, just happy to know I had such an impact on Carlo. Great guy, great chef, and uh, long-term friend. Love hearing that. You never know what uh, what's going to stick with people, so you just got to keep at it, which is that consistency in mentorship I think is key, and I think we'll get into that a little bit. So I just want to get a little background for everybody on you. Uh, tell us where you were uh, born and raised. I was born and raised in uh, Michigan over in the west side of the state in a small town called Big Rapids. And then uh, around grade school, moved to the Detroit area. And uh, during that time, you know, kind of bounced a little bit here and there. Went to Michigan State, did the hospitality business program, uh, graduated CIA uh, from their culinary program. And then uh, back in the Detroit area, now after spending some time in uh, New York, Ohio, and a couple spots in Michigan. Yeah, kind of the journeyman story. That's uh, You hear that a lot in the industry for sure. What was your very first job in the industry? I, my very first job, I remember, um, you know, I did a little bit of help at a banquet hall. My brothers were washing dishes. I'd go in, help them out on, oh, a Saturday or Sunday morning, doing some glassware. And then, uh, you know, I worked maybe about two days in a small Chinese restaurant. I didn't make it long there as a, a young kid. Um, but then about uh, a few months later, I found uh, this, this cool little uh, family diner, almost a uh, little, um, you know, maybe 60 seater breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I uh, found myself in there doing uh, doing dishes and then quickly moved up to uh, to Toast Guy on Sunday morning breakfast and then uh, up to Fry Cook, Grill Cook and production. And before uh, graduating high school, I had keys to the restaurant, was opening, closing and, uh, you know, just really enjoying the uh the industry yeah i love it starting in the pit where where you earn respect for the industry the most important person in a restaurant the dishwasher their work touches every single guest who walks through the doors absolutely i mean uh you know to this day i still you know there's there's still things that that draw me back to that place when i got to make crepes or uh um, my first experience you know cooking breakfast for a couple hundred on sunday morning church rush you know it was one of my most favorite times as a young cook was, uh, was at Sunday morning breakfast. Love hearing that. Tell us what you're uh, up to these days. Well, currently I'm the uh, executive chef at country club Detroit and a uh, chef instructor out of Schoolcraft college. Love it. And now this is where you cross paths with Carlo. Is that correct? It is uh, right around the, uh, when I took this job, I started as a chef de cuisine, uh, had that position for about two years, and that was back in uh, 2004, right after graduating and uh, come back from uh, the CIA. And uh, two years after that, moved up to the executive chef, and I've been fortunate enough to hold that position with a couple other more added responsibilities over the years uh, since then. But it was Probably, I think Carlo was one of my first hires as an executive chef here at uh, at the club. So it turns out that was a good hire. <laughs> Looking back on it, uh, absolutely. No, even when he was here, uh, a great guy to have. Um, you know, he uh, he came to us. He was at one of the other community colleges in the area, and um, the chef that I took over for had recommended Carlo, and um, knew Carlo had. Was currently working at a uh, small little sushi bar across town and had a little bit of club experience down at the Detroit Athletic Club and uh, brought him in and um, you know it's kind of fun to watch and see uh, where he's gone from being intro cook with us and uh, moving up through breakfast lunch on the hotline 
and uh, his time out to the CIA, then Westchester, and then his uh, vast restaurant experience ever since then. It's great. It's it's proud Papa moment seeing somebody that you kind of helped cultivate go on this journey and uh, and just absolutely fucking kill it, right? <laughs> he is. You know, he's crushing it out there. Um, you know, I don't know how much uh, influence I had on him uh, per se. You know, he had uh, had and still has a great work ethic. And, um, you know, I think maybe part of what I was uh, able to, to maybe give him was a little bit more, a little more structure. We had a lot of conversations. Um, he wanted to get more out of culinary school, wanted to get some more experience. So, um, you know, maybe guiding him down uh, a couple of those opportunities, um, you know, even through the times uh, when he was finishing up school and uh, when he was making his move out to Chicago and then before he went out to the West coast there, you know, just uh, opportunities to chat about the industry, personal life, family life, um, you know, so maybe as a, you know, somebody to bounce some, uh, some ideas off of, but uh, I mean, he definitely had the heart, the passion and the, uh, the personal drive to, to get out there and just kill it like he's doing. Yeah. Let's dig into that a little bit more. What you're talking about that investing time and effort and giving people just insights into the industry as a whole, I think is very important. That level of mentorship, is, mm-hmm. is really everything. And clearly, you know, for you, I'm sure you've just naturally mentored dozens and dozens and dozens of guys. But for Carlo, that meant a lot to him. So I really want to give everyone listening kind of an idea what it means to be a mentor and, and the relationship from mentor to mentee. Clearly something that you've seen some success in. Carlo is a, is a byproduct of that for sure. Talk to us <laughs> a little bit about that. Just the, what it is that you're looking for and what it is that you're trying to cultivate. Well, you know, personally, I don't know if there's a uh, uh, something that I've I've done along the way. I think I think what I've done is I've been fortunate enough to be in positions to have uh, great mentors myself. Found myself in some good kitchens uh, with some outstanding chefs, great relationships along the way, and um, you know, I've always wanted to just kind of give those same opportunities back. The uh, the time I was able to spend with those chefs and still spend with those chefs, you know, coming up as a as apprentice or a young cook to be mentored by, by some of the best in the industry, um, myself, particularly in a lot of clubs. So having a lot of, uh, club and uh, certified master chef mentorships along the way has really guided myself. And, uh, you know, I've always just wanted to give that back, give those same opportunities. I think that's, I think that's what the business is all about. And we just happen to do it through food and hospitality and, and giving people a great experience in our dining room. But what really goes on in the back of the house, I think is that, that key relationship of not just how to roast, braise, saute, but being able to talk to somebody, help them through a hard time, um, personal relationships, uh, watching them grow from a cook to a, to a manager, to a team leader, um, helping them through those transitions at those different uh, professional points. Um, you know, that's, I, I think that's the, the coolest part of it all is, is, is really that. And then being able to do it, like I said, through, through the skilled trade that we have of, of just cooking killer food and giving people a great experience. You are preaching. I talk a lot about generally, and then very specifically with this podcast that we need to focus so much on the why and the who over the what and the how. Like would, if we find that right, that North star of it's the why and the who that matter most. Those are the things that are timeless that are like innate in the relationships what we do and how we do, that's, what we're, that's the, the flavor, right? That's the thing that's now, it changes, it evolves, there's fads, there's trends, uh, there's 
different styles within that. But the why and the who, the more that we focus on that, I think the more timeless and foundational it is. So I, I love everything that you're saying because yeah. that's that's what this is about. It's And sometimes when we forget about that, it's when things get fucking sideways in this industry. And it happens when you're getting your head kicked in and you're doing 400 people for breakfast. It's easy and- to only care about what and how like what the hell are we doing and how the hell do we survive this the why and the who that sustains so absolutely I mean, love it i mean the why part uh you know so often we get caught up in just getting things done and we forget the why and you know helping people understand why we do things why we take the steps that we take why we focus on the details how those details separate out from just getting something done to developing flavor creating something great on the plate um, you know, digging into, like you said, you talked about fads, trends, you know, uh, I, I get into those, but I'm, I'm still more of a traditionalist, fundamentalist, you know, I still love to roast, braise, poach, um, glaze vegetables, uh, you know, pan base, saute, uh, you know, the, the trendy stuff's cool, but understanding the why and the fundamentals of cooking first and foremost, uh, and teaching those so that people understand how to cook great cuisine, how to, how to get a great sear on a scallop or roast a chicken, when to brine, when to cure, when to, uh, you know, when to introduce flavors, when to add the butter, when not to, um, you know, all those things explaining the why, 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 um, not just in the food, but then once you get those things going, the why into the management, why do you have to understand each one of the, the, the people on your team to, to work with them, uh, to be a good, leader to be a, a manager you know I, I look at managing and leading as two different things you know managing is getting the things done building the production list and, and orchestrating the kitchen but then leading is the camaraderie and getting people something uh, to believe in and, and giving them that you know that attention to to help them grow and that's where I think the mentorship comes in yeah I think about Carlos specifically what he's doing now and I cannot be more excited for him to be able to have the opportunity and the platform to do Filipino food, to really celebrate his culture. And he's the what? He's going to be making lumpia and he's going to be doing sasig and lachon and these different specific techniques and, and ingredients and, and cultural dishes. I just think what he's really trying to communicate is the why and the who. Why his people are passionate about food. Who was it that at an early age sparked that in him? Like that's what it's going to be. The what and the how is just the manifestation of that like it's the end product of all of those beginnings and so i know he's going to be glazing vegetables that you taught him to they're just going to be with (laughs) with sweet soy and ginger instead of garlic and butter right so that's that's what i love about it absolutely you know i actually had to do a a demo probably about a year ago i got called up and uh one of the chefs from the company said, Hey, you know, I need some chefs to fill in, do a demo, global cuisines. I'm like, sweet, no problem. You know, I, I end up teaching a lot of global cuisines and enjoy the global flavors mixed into, into my, uh, my style as well. And he's listening off these different cuisines and I'm like, Hey, no problem. I can do those. He said, yeah, but you're going to do the Filipino cuisine. I'm like, Oh shit. Here <laughs> like, we I don't go. know anything about Filipino cuisine. So the first guy I called as soon as I got off the phone was, uh, was Carlo and, uh, you know, we just started talking back on dishes. I remember him cooking here for, for family meal or, um, you know, some, some things he'd always talk about uh, at home uh, or dishes that he'd cook at home and his inspiration or 
when he had, uh, go back to the Philippines and, um, you know, his time growing up there and, and, uh, you know, just, it was such a great conversation. And, uh, you know, I went in, went into that demo that day and I think I, and I knocked out a pretty darn good, uh, Adobo and, uh, but I had to preface all of it. I'm like, look, you know, I'm not, I'm not classically trained by any means in Filipino cuisine, but I went out to, to this guy and, uh, you know, rock solid and, and he gave me his best efforts over the phone. I've known him for years. So, um, you know, his, his passion for his culture, his cuisine um, is awesome. I'm great to see that it's getting that platform and that recognition out there right now. I love to see the practical application of student becomes teacher. That's so great that now he <laughs> got the opportunity to give back to you a little bit, which is, which is just great. And that's also the great thing about being a mentor when you truly grasp the the relationship that you're creating because if you as a mentor are not able to learn from your mentees you're missing the mark as well so i love that mm-hmm. it came full circle for you in a very practical way as you're shitting bricks going what the hell do i know <laughs> about filipino food luckily i know the guy so right it's great to hear great yeah, to hear the camaraderie I- going both ways I got, I got some base and fundamentals I can cook. I'm like, hey, man, I need some help on, uh, on the flavor profiles and, and when and how. <laughs> what are the garnishes? What to pull together for this dish? So, yeah, that, no, that, was a, that was a great time. Love hearing that. Brian, appreciate your support of the industry, support of Carlo. I know you have people you're mentoring currently and will into the future, and that's what it's all about. Thank you for talking, and thank you for the impact you had on the industry. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. And uh, good luck, Carlo. Good luck to everybody out there, man. Keep crushing it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.